My name is David Weeder. Seth Burns. William Bowman. Adriana Flores. Brad Houck. Patricia Adams. Everybody calls me the hat lady, as you can tell. And I am highly involved in the host ministry program. As an usher on 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Oak Hills Youth Sports Program. Serving several of the outreach ministries. With the Habitat for Humanity as well as the food drives. And I am in the prayer ministry in the Spanish congregation. I felt compelled to serve because after I met Christ and came to know Him, it was just a natural uh, second step to want to lead others to the same thing. Opportunity just to meet a lot of really great people, not only that we're serving, but uh, that we're serving with as well too. I've made a lot of friends that you know I would have never met otherwise. We are the church. When we go out and we serve those other people, you start to see who are in need and what you can do to benefit them. But when I see you, then that makes me focus on serving you and not serving myself. After service, and they come up to you and they just give you the biggest hug, the biggest difference in everything, because you know that you're touching lives because although I'm reaching out to them, they're reaching out to me as well. My mom had not been in church for many, many years. So when I saw the opportunity for us to serve together, that was a blessing to me. She was being ministered by everyone at the church. She felt the compassion from everyone at the church. And on March of 2019, my mom called Jesus into her heart. And she was 80 years old. Because had we not been volunteers at Oak Hill, it would be a different story. It doesn't matter the when, the where, the how, or how old you are. We all can help. We all can volunteer in so many ways, and even a smile can make a difference. You've been created and designed for a purpose, and when you serve other people, you really get to feel that purpose and the fulfillment of what God designed you and created you to do. So we don't just serve. I mean, we might give out the Lord's Supper here, and we do, and we might say the bathroom is over here, but when somebody knows you and says, can you pray for me and with me, that's, that's, a, that's a different type of hosting and servicing in that moment, and that's what I'm called to do. I serve at Oak Hills Church because I am happy to be the hands and feet of the church. To be someone to greet and usher his people into worship. Because it's my family. To leave a long legacy for those that come behind me. Because I feel it's uh, part of my calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus for others. Amen. You know what? Actually, hold, hold that applause real quick. If you're in here today and you serve in any capacity here at Oak Hills, why don't you please stand for us? I know you're in here. Go ahead, stand up, stand up. There we go. You know, there are more than 1,000 volunteers here at Oak Hills that make the ministry here possible. And I think it's a direct result of your serving that's made our church grow uh, more than 30% over the last year. Um, and we don't celebrate those numbers because it means, oh, there's more people in a building, but that's more people that hear an encouraging message of the gospel every Sunday, get connected to community, can make use of our uh, like benevolence ministry. People connected to the body, um, it blesses them. Um, but it also presents us with a, kind of a practical issue. We need more people serving. Um, but the best motivation for serving isn't simply to make this church function, but it's how disciples grow. Um, 
Serving has been integral in my life. It's actually transformed my life. And I've seen it transform the lives of countless others. So I'm excited that I get to talk to y'all this morning about serving. Um, Last week, you heard Travis call this series Compelled an Identity Series. It's about who we are as a church and who we are as followers of Jesus. So before we get started, you mind if I pray? Okay. Father God, um, man, just so aware of your presence in this place. As we worshiped you this morning, and even now, we acknowledge that presence. And Father, um, as uh, I receive and interpret the word, I pray that any word that's not from you but is from me, you just trap it before it even gets out of my mouth, that you would uh, inspire me to share what you've got and only what you've got, and that people would see you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, I want to share with you three points about why serving is integral to discipleship. Um, The first point we're going to get from the Apostle Paul. Um, In 1 Corinthians, he writes this passage, and he uses the metaphor of a physical body to talk about the church. And in fact, if you've ever heard us say the body of Christ in reference to the church, it's from these verses. Let's read it together. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit. So as, it, as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, that's all y'all, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. In other words, the, 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 the body of Christ, the church, we are one. And in order to reflect Jesus in all his splendor, we need each other. We create like a mosaic. Each one with their individual signature and giftings and skills comes together to more fully reflect Jesus. Um, More concisely, Paul says it like this in Ephesians. The whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow. We just celebrated growth so that it builds itself up in love. The body, led by the head who is Christ, builds itself up when it serves one and when the body is serving itself and ministering to itself. We grow. Um, So that brings us to our first point. The body of Christ needs its members. Um, Just like a physical body, if something is out of whack, if one of my organs is not functioning, a limb is uh, not not where it's supposed to be, I am by definition deficient or like ill, right? Um, And I love the way that he wraps it up. He says, uh, serves itself in love. Love is the greatest motivation for serving. Um, This morning, I'll I'll tell you guys a secret. Sometimes in the morning I'll come here and I'll go to the coffee bar 
but not because I want coffee, but because I know Miss Maddie works there, and she's got this incredible gift of encouragement. So uh, I went there this morning. I said, Maddie, did you know that you had this gift of encouragement before you started serving? And she just started talking about how good God is to her. And she's like, he's been so good and faithful to me that I just, it just overflows and I want to share it with other people. And I said, wow, that's amazing. That's actually why I come here, so I can get some of that overflow, not for the coffee. But God is good. Um, so this is why we serve. Um, Paul in Galatians explains a little bit. He puts some action to this serving. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Uh, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Here it comes. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's the motivation. For the whole law can be summed up in this, uh, in this one commandment. Love your neighbors as yourself. So there's a serving. Uh, love is an action word. That action is what we sometimes call serving. That's why I love the King James Version. Sometimes that word love is translated as charity. We get that there's like action to it. Um, so Jesus was this great example to us. He said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Uh, they, the Bible also tells us that the same spirit that's in Jesus should be in us. The same mind that's in Christ should be in us as we seek to serve others. So he asked us to serve, which is a good enough reason. But here's something that's amazing about God's economy. When we serve others, we get blessed. Something about positioning yourself to receive God's goodness and funnel it to another person makes you receive of that very same goodness. Um, so point two is this. Serving blesses the servant. Uh, let me put it this way. When you're not serving, sometimes you don't receive the fullness of what God has for you. And let me explain. Um, when I was on mission in Brazil, I, picked, I was uh, mostly serving in like an evangelistic ministry. We created this bridge between the public schools and the local church. And then I transitioned into this like administrative role, um, which means I wasn't around a lot of people who didn't know Jesus yet. I was, and I actually like wanted to be around pre-Christians. I'm salt and light. Let me be around people that don't have salt or light yet. So I was looking for a place to do that. And it was the jujitsu gym. Uh, I am the jujitsu pastor. I will beat you up and then pray for your healing. <laughs> Um, but because of this, it's a, it's a tough sport. I ended up having like a traumatic wrist injury, had a surgery on it and everything, and my arm was immobilized for like two months. Uh, this was a couple years ago. Um, and like my arm would literally ache from disuse um, because it was not in service to the rest of the body. The lifeblood from my heart had no reason to go and fill it and feed it. We're made for serving. Here, let me put it to you in... Uh, in Disney Princess. We speak Disney Princess in my house. I've got a four-year-old daughter. Um, you ever seen Beauty and the Beast? You know that candlestick who sings that song? Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon, right? Yeah, I'm coming for your job, Isaiah. I'm coming for you. Um, something about not being positioned to serve made those like, inanimate objects that were alive for some reason not be fulfilled. They experienced purpose and fulfillment and understood who they were and why God made them when they were engaged in serving. Um, this just crossed my mind, that candlestick. Yeah, of course, if you don't have to light the way for somebody, it seems your life seems maybe like it doesn't have a lot of purpose. 
But serving helps you discover who God is, and he helps you discover who God has made you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so serving is super important. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't make this point. Um, historically, Oak Hills has been a place where people who have experienced burnout, um, maybe come from legalism, where like, oh, God loves me because I do all the things, come to heal. And maybe you hear a message like this and it hits a nerve. Um, if God has you here as a, in a time to heal um, and to process through those things with him, um, then do that by all means. In fact, um, come find our care ministry, uh, and maybe we can help you even process some of that stuff. And we're here and ready for you to engage when you're through that. Um, but the truth is, healing can, or serving can also be healing. Uh, when I was on mission in Brazil, one of the first people I met was this young man by the name of Magnu. And uh, we approached him, we started a conversation, let him know we were from the church. The first thing he does is drag his thumbnail across his arm, turning his skin kind of red, and he says, Eu tenho alergia a crente. I'm allergic to Christians. It's like, thank you for that Brazilian welcome, Magnus. <laughs> uh, he goes, I got to know him a little bit later, found out he's seen some abuses in church and things like that, which I, I get it. Um, but he loved practicing English, and he was super into like the Marvel movies, and I'm a big comic book nerd, so he would come and hang out with our group. So he'd come sometimes to our evangelistic outings and our Bible studies, and uh, one day we were in a favela, a shanty town. It was actually built in the middle of a lichon, like a big garbage dump. And uh, we're there, this, like, you can, as you're approaching, the smell, like, you, you, you're so aware of it. Um, but the people there are so beautiful. So we're there, we're ministering, we do this gospel presentation. People are inviting us into their houses to pray over them. Uh, we deliver some, like, clothes and toys for some of the young people. And as we're leaving, Magnu says hey, do you feel that? And I'm like, is it raining? Is it a mudslide? What do you mean? He said, I feel God. I feel God. Something about serving helped Magnu engage God in a way that a Sunday service never had, that our worship times during the break at school never did. And I'm happy to say that Magnu ended up getting connected to the local body, he ended up marrying that girl that he was dating at that time, and me and him are Facebook friends to this day. Amen. So again, point two, serving blesses the servant, um, which takes us to our third point, actually. Uh, serving, this is probably my favorite point, serving impacts eternity. I know that's a big statement, um, but I think we all have this desire as people, as humans, to live lives that matter, uh, that I would say have an eternal purpose or impact. Um, like, <clears throat> have you ever heard of quiet quitting? Yeah? It's this phenomenon that's happening right now, led, led mostly by Gen Z, of giving the least you possibly can at work and staying employed, right? People from other generations like, we used to call that lazy back in my day. <laughs> But let me just say, like, I, so kind of the, the motivation behind it is not laziness, but saying, hey, this work does not define me. It does not give me my purpose, which is a sentiment that I agree with. Um, your value is based on the price that was paid in Jesus Christ for you, not in your job type. Um, so, like, yeah, that perspective is right, but there's better ways. It, like, it just screams angst and existential dilemma. I can't tell you where my purpose comes from, but I tell you where it doesn't come from, this job, Right? 
But don't laugh only at Gen Z. Boomers, where y'all at? There you go. I've seen that Jesus Revolution movie. Y'all had a little existential dilemma of your own. The 60s, hippies and uh, psychedelic experimentation. This is all this search for something more. Um, but this isn't a new uh, search for humanity. Uh, I think it's been as long as we've existed. In fact, the wisest man in the world went through this existential dilemma, Solomon, and he records it in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, The book of Ecclesiastes is not the most encouraging book if you've ever read through it, but let's look at what he says here in Ecclesiastes 2.17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless and chasing after the wind. Thank you, Solomon, for those encouraging words. If the wisest man in the world can't figure this out, we we ain't got a chance. Um, But there's actually, I think, a verse hidden in this book that unlocks the meaning from it. Um, It's Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity, here it is, he set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. God has set eternity in the hearts of people. That means he's made you to know and commune with the one eternal God, to see his glory fill the world as the water over the seas, to see his ever-expanding kingdom grow by your participation in it. So this is why no dollar amount will ever be enough, because you were made for eternity, why no relationship will ever complete you outside of Jesus. Jerry Maguire was wrong. It's because you were made for eternity. Why no amount of information will ever satisfy the search, it's because you were made for eternity. Um, If you've ever been on this search and felt unsatisfied or angsty, um, it's okay. That's not a bug, that's a feature. You weren't made to be satisfied by those things. You were made to be satisfied by your relationship with God. Um, I have been on a search very similar to this in my life. Um, When I was just graduating high school, um, got this scholarship to University of Missouri, but I was not a focused student at all. I was in the throes of like a quarter-life crisis, um, switching, honestly, that's a real thing, switching majors and like, if I pick this, I'll have to do this for the rest of my life, and it doesn't seem like it really matters, and just trying to figure this out. So I was just not a focused student, Um, and I ended up getting bad grades, and not being able to keep my scholarship, and I couldn't afford to pay out-of-state tuition, so I go back home and enter into a depression, honestly, Um, feeling like I've let everybody down. This was my chance to discover my destiny. Um, My parents made all these sacrifices to send me off, and here I am messing the whole thing up. And kind of to self-medicate in the middle of my depression, I had gotten addicted to internet porn and online video games, which... um, I think there's a reason it had a hold on me and why it has a hold on a lot of young people these days. They're counterfeits for what we're talking about for eternity. We were made to know and engage an eternal God and receive his love and express that love to others. And we twist it and distort it, boil down to these images, and people get hooked on it. Or online gaming. We were made to participate in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. That's the adventure we're called to. Um, and we were like, well, I'll settle for jumping on Call of Duty with my fire team and doing it. And it's like, no, you were made for more. That's a real thing. Um, but my parents were amazing and loved me really well through this time. I started going back to church with them on a regular basis. And one day I was in the lobby at the church, 
And a youth pastor by the name of Danny Dodge um, shoulder tapped me and he said, he has what we call here an I see in you statement. And he said, uh, Ramin, I need young men like you to help me lead this youth group. Will you answer the call? And I'm like, me? You want me to help you do what? Uh, but I said yes. And wouldn't you know it, being responsible for teaching other people the Bible made me learn the Bible. If I had to point other people to God, I started engaging God more. And the more I engaged God, the more life made sense. From there, uh, I ended up, this, this is the truth that I discovered, right? Jesus puts it this way. Um, he says, uh, to, if you want to find your life, you've got to give it away. So it was as I began to give my life away that things began to make sense. So I went to Bible school, not because I had these intentions of becoming a minister, um, but just to know God better. And this took me on an international adventure to Brazil as I've shared, and I met my wife. And now I'm here getting to share about how good God is. Um, and it's been amazing. And all I did was say yes to serving. All I did was choose to give my life away first to Jesus and then to others in serving. Well, let me explain to you why this works. Um, Jesus shares this curious parable uh, in Luke chapter 16. It used to bug me when I first started reading the Bible because it seems like the bad guy um, gets kudos at the end of this story. Um, for sake of time, I'll paraphrase it for you. So there's a very rich man who has a money manager. And news gets to him that the money manager has been stealing his money. So he says, listen, at the end of this month, I want you to turn over that account bill, and I'm going to see what's been going on. So the money manager then goes and goes to this guy's debtors and gives them big discounts up to 50% about what they owe his boss. So he stole money, and then now to fix things, he's stealing even more money in hopes of making friends for himself, right? So like, okay, when I lose this job, there's a, the clock is ticking, I can at least go on with these guys who I've been helping out. And then look what Jesus says. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than others. That really bugged me until I started understanding the meaning behind it. This manager took a position that he was in temporarily. The clock was ticking. And he leveraged it to have a future impact. Um, I don't mean to be morbid, but everyone under this, in this room, our clock is ticking. But we can use the position we're in now to impact eternity. Let me say that again. We can use the position that we're in now to impact eternity. Now, watch what Jesus says next. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings, wealth. We have three words that we use to describe our wealth here at Oak Hills, our time, our talent, and our treasure. How are you investing those three things? Are you willing to take a loss in the natural in those areas for an eternal return? Think about it. You might have to get up 15 or 30 minutes earlier to get here and be a greeter at a door but your smile and the way you receive someone can help prepare their heart to receive the gospel when they enter into this building. And maybe it'll take a little extra of your energy 
But if you're, as you're serving in Bible land and you do a Bible craft with a kid, you're helping prepare the next generation of believers. Maybe you've got some giftings in like the area of healthcare, serving as one of our first aid ministry. Somebody has an emergency here and you go and you help them out. You show them, wow, even in the hard stuff, God is taking care of me. And this impacts them eternally. To find your life, you've got to first give it away. To find your life, you've got to first give it away. So how do you give your life away? I would say first you do that by giving your life to Jesus. Uh, In the book of Jeremiah, it says, the way of man is not in himself. It's not in a man to direct his own steps. Uh, And I was woefully aware of that in the midst of my crisis. Um, But God has made something beautiful of it. And if you don't know him, he wants to do the same for you. And in a very practical sense, um, if you've already given your life to Jesus, one of the best ways to give your life away is by serving. It's by serving. It's by saying yes. Like I did to Pastor Danny when he said, hey, can you come lead this youth group? Uh, If you're not serving here at Oak Hills and you're in a position to, I want to encourage you, do not leave here today without talking to somebody about that. Upstairs in the upper room and in our upper mall area, we've got five tables representing five ministry areas. Um, Let me see if I can get a list of those up here real quick. So we've got adult ministries up there where you can volunteer to be a greeter, an usher, um, part of the prayer team or the connections team. There's a next-gen ministry up there, which is children's, Bible land, um, our sports ministry, our, our young adults. There's communication ministry. You can do um, American Sign Language. If you've got photography skills, if you can sing or be kind of in the background with production stuff. We also have our outreach ministry. You can volunteer and learn more about short-term missions, family mentoring, disaster relief, or operations team. If you like to cook, you can be part of our cuisine team, first aid, surveillance, all these things. There's a place for everyone. Um, and let me kind of say this. You might have looked at that list and like, none of those are actually my lane. I'm going to go back to Miss Maddie, who I talked about earlier. I told you that she had this gift of encouragement. Like, her lane is not pouring coffee. But her, but her gifting of encouragement came out because she was put in that place to serve the body. Uh, maybe your gifting is you have a word of knowledge or something like that. But as you're serving alongside somebody in Bible land, you'll be able to share that with them. Maybe you've got a gift of discernment. As you're working with young adults, you'll be able to tell when somebody's going through something um, before they even share that word with you. Your giftings begin to begin to come out and be expressed when you're plugged in serving. So point two, serving blesses the servant. And then point three, it has an eternal impact. Remember that. I'm going to pray. Do yourself a favor if you are not serving here. After I pray, I want you to go up there and talk to somebody at one of those tables ready to receive you and get you connected to a serve team, okay? Father God, you're so gracious. It is still amazing to me that in your economy, when we seek to bless others, we get blessed. Like it's literally, it's not a figure of speech, it's literally more blessed to give than to receive. Father, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would find that outlet because it helps them experience you even more profoundly. And you bring clarity and light and purpose to life. 
Father, I pray that as they trust in you, they would overflow. It would be like something boiling inside of them. They couldn't help but serve. God has been so good to me, I want to go be good to somebody else. I pray that you would uh, ease, make the rough places smooth and the crooked places straight, that they would fill out the right papers and have the conversation with the right person and the systems to even follow up with people would be just what they need so they can get to serving really quickly. And Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.